Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, hosted by JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Hooch Mahachko. Joining me, with beer in hand, Hoss Reuter. How's it going, everybody? All right, so as we know, you know, we started at this thought it'd be a good idea this season to do you know the the recap review show of the previous game you know it, in in two episodes in a week so this episode of course you're going to hear monday uh and then we'll preview michigan with uh later in the week but right now this is we're just gonna this is our therapy we're going to get all of the uh emotions and thoughts on the troy game out and then it's it's in the past we can't do anything about it uh, we can be frustrated, disappointed, angry, sad, uh, whatever emotion you choose to, you know, partner with your, you know, 0-2 start for the first time since the 1950s. Thank you very much, uh, BTN Announce Crew, for reminding us of that. But you can't change it. All we can do is move forward. Conference play is a week away, and we got a trip to the big house on Saturday. But Haas... I'm drinking tonight. You're drinking tonight. It feels appropriate. The, the first post-game reaction episode we ever did was... I'm going right to it. I, I'm not burying the lead. Yeah, it, it was... Kill the Frogs first. Yeah, it was last year, the Minnesota game. You're like, damn it, we got to record tonight. I got to get some shit off my chest. As we look cathartic. at... It was, and as we look at that game versus this game, obviously we're in you know two different teams. Yes, you know some of the personnel is the same, but two different teams because two different coaching staffs. You had one team that was in the third year of of you know the previous head coach and, and uh, you know uh, head coach Mike Riley and, and his staff, and you have a lot of the same elements in the first year, second game of the Scott Frost era. Which, when you look at the two games, because, you know, it worked out that we're able to record Saturday night, you know, the night of the Troy loss. When you look at the two games, which one frustrates you more? Is is it going to be the Minnesota game because, damn it, it's Minnesota and you know we played like crap? Or is it going to be the Troy loss because, yeah, no, I mean, they're the, the defending Sunbelt champions. We're not taking anything away from Troy, but they're not a power five. They're not Big Ten which one which one stings more? I would have to say this loss to Troy. Okay. Because the Minnesota loss, at that point in the year last year, we were just a burning hole of a team. You know, no no juice, no energy before kickoff. Things went downhill on the opening kick when Rodney Smith ran it back for a touchdown, then they just got worse from there. So it, that team was just in surrender mode. And at that point in the year, you just accept it for what it is, even though it really fucking sucks. 
to accept it for what it is. Losing to Troy with a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. Um, offensive line for the half step that they took forward last week, they took two and a half steps backward this week. And this comes... Uh, not having it. Go ahead. I was going to say, this comes, you know, we talked last week about, you know, so many of the positives of, of both Nebraska offensive and defensive lines. And while, you know, the defensive line did okay, and, you know, they, they got some pressure at times, I feel like Troy's big men up front handle business better than Nebraska's, and I think that's why Nebraska lost. I mean, you can – the penalties didn't help, certainly, uh, you know, the turnovers. Uh, but, you know, game as they say, games are won and lost in, in the trenches. And I just – I don't – you know, Nebraska had the size. I don't know if they – they did, certainly didn't impose their will like they could have or, uh, you know, perhaps should have. Exactly. Uh we struggled with Trevon Sanders, the 327-pound nose guard. Uh, not having the threat of the quarterback run allowed their linebackers just to come downhill really aggressively. Frost said after the game that what you do to counter those things is the quarterback run game or trying to throw you know underneath routes to where the linebackers are vacating. And Bunch isn't the athlete that Adrian Martinez is. And we couldn't even get our pass protection to set up long enough to throw anything, you know, any quick game, any, you know, you know, not even a three-step drop on them, more like one-step punch throw. We couldn't even do that. And so, I mean, our offense was, I mean, it was basically neutered and, when you and, don't have the quarterback run game. It was like we were plunged back into the Mike Riley pro-style spread offense that he kind of, you know, tinkered around with, especially in 2016. And uh, very milk toast, very, uh, just very uninspiring. Uh, we couldn't do anything. That, we have to have the threat of the quarterback run game. And if you can't, if you don't have the threat of the quarterback run game, you got to be able to protect to throw even the quick game. You know, it, I didn't think we'd be having this conversation that we couldn't even protect long enough for, you know, quick throws, you know, out to the perimeter. We got better at it as the game went on with those bubble screens to J.D. Spielman out of the backfield. But we were trying to throw routes downfield, slants, snags, and, you know, drag routes. We couldn't do a damn thing. It's, um, I don't know if ironic or coincidental uh, that you, you know, to explain the offense, you used the word uh, neutered. Uh, I, I used the word, I think, I don't I can't remember if it was in the Slack chat room or on Twitter. I, I used the word impotent and I saw somebody else on Twitter used flaccid. Um, it's it just, everybody's kind of, left NSFW tag on this one. <laughs> everybody has their own, uh, you know, word. I don't know. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that offense could have used a little blue chew. That's a, that's an inside joke. Anybody who listens to, uh, uh, the uh, oh, shit. I can't even remember. Um, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, or eighty-three weeks with Eric Bischoff. They'll understand if they listen to those wrestling oh, podcasts. Yeah. Um, but uh, could 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 have used a little, a little juice. Um, I, I'm I'm really what as far as you know the offense, the I think style of offense that they wanted to run 
they finally ran in the last, you know, five minutes of the game when they got marched down the field, got that second touchdown to Spielman. But they just didn't they didn't rely on that earlier on. I mean, they they could have been in that kind of two minute offense, you know, up tempo approach through much of the game because I mean they, they trailed. I mean they were down seventeen to nothing. Uh-huh. And it felt like it was thirty seven to nothing. I mean it, it Troy It felt it felt insurmountable. It did, and it really shouldn't have because and I'm not taking anything. I, I, I'm going to say this with all due respect to Troy. Uh, again, they are the defending Sun Belt champs. They went into Death Valley and beat LSU last year. They're not. Uh, stra- they're no stranger to going on the road to a Power Five and winning. But yeah, I mean, you shouldn't. When Nebraska got down fourteen nothing to Colorado last week. You still felt like okay, you know they they slowly started to march their way back. When they got down seventeen nothing to Troy, and everything was going wrong, everything was you know nothing was going right for Nebraska. You're like, well, here we go again, and and yeah, it just felt like it was a much bigger deficit. And credit to you know the players, it, it's not it's not all on the defense, it's not all on the offense, and it's not all on the special teams. Um, it, it, it was a total effort for this loss t- this week. It, it sucked. Yeah. It, all the way around. And, you know, I'm really like, I'm just kind of at a loss for words thinking about it more and more. And, uh, how on one hand, there are some things that are pretty correctable. On the other hand, there are things that are kind of outside our locus of control as a program. You know, Adrian Martinez's health status, for instance. Sure. You would have thought if there was some, you know, I guess it sound like Bob Diaco here, a reasonable reason that he could have played, um, that they would have brought him in. Because if there's ever an emergency situation, today was the definition of it. And uh, you just have to think if, if he's not healthy moving forward, we're kind of in a – it could be a Friday night moving forward for us this season. I, and that's really nobody's fault. You're coming up – we're coming off a 4-8 and eight season to begin with. we got to build. Um, kind of got to strip away the pretenses and the expectations. You know, the hands being dealt to us. We're 0-2 and, and we had a – you know, we had a rain out. But we got to move forward. We got to keep pressing forward and find ways to overcome our shortcomings in the meantime. I don't want to look too far in the future, um, but if this season continues to trend, certainly the way the first three weeks of the college football season have gone for Nebraska, that in- includes the the rain out to Akron on you know at the end of November when we're looking back and. I'm not even going to speculate on what the record might be. Again, you know, a lot of that hinges on health of of various players, certainly Adrian Martinez at the top of that list. But it almost feels like Scott Frost's first year is, I I hate to use this cliche because that's exactly what it is, but it feels snake bit from the very beginning, does it not? Absolutely. 
And, Absolutely. And, and that almost sounds like I'm, I'm, you know, sidestepping. I don't I say not me, but, you know, it almost sounds like I'm, I'm looking for an excuse as for, for why this team's not you know, per- performing as well as I think they can. Uh, certainly as, as well as expectations, you know, going into the season thought that they would be. And, you know, going back to last winter when Scott Frost said, uh, you know, it, it, it's all however he phrased it, and I'm not going to get his exact quote right, but, you know, he's like, it's it's going to be a, a, a long road and, and uh, you know, we, we've got to sort of temper expectations. I mean, he said that right out the gate, and all Nebraska yeah. heard was, we're back to prominence. You know, all the fans heard was, our time is now. <laughs> you know, it's uh, – That's exactly and, and I'm just as guilty because in my season prediction, you know, a few weeks back, I'm like ten and two. We're gonna finish the season ten and two. So I'm. Well, ju- I've always. I'm said, just as guilty as anybody. I've always. I've always said that. You know, I try to be an empiricist. You know, when it comes to Husker football, you know what's empirical, what what can be proven. But I'm still guilty of drinking the Kool Aid as well, and I've mentioned this on some of the episodes of this podcast back in April, May, and June that, you know, seven, I always held steady at seven and five for my prediction for this year. But by the 4th of July every year, I kind of start to talk myself and, uh, you know, pretty good. You know, it's just kind of that, it's just a point on the college football calendar where you start believing that all your players turned into all Americans over the off season. And, uh, it's every fan base, you know, it happens to every fan base. Everybody but starts believing their own on, hype. Um, go ahead. I just said everybody starts believing their own hype or, or building their own hype. And, you know, with with nothing yeah. nothing to indicate, you know, heading into this season aside from, the, you know, Scott Frost and, and, you know, liking his coaching staff, there's really nothing to indicate that this team – out of the gate was going to be any better than the four and eight season. We just had, you know, uh, faith and hope. That's all we had. Exactly. We, uh, we started believing our own press clippings. Yeah. And totally natural thing, but that's, uh, that natural tendency you have to overcome it. And because the dissonance between what you start to believe about your program over the off season and what they actually are once toe meets leather that first Saturday of September are usually two very, very different things. And, uh, you know, when you look back over the course of the offseason, losing Michael Decker, you know, him retiring from football back in May, that really hurt because he looked like the type of player that could develop into a really good center. And uh, just, you know, some of the – Tristan Jebbia, you know, that – his decision to transfer the day after Martinez was named the starter, Patrick O'Brien choosing to transfer before spring football is even over. We had more losses over the off season than off season wins, so to speak. That, you know, there were more there were more debits than credits. That um, attrition, uh, you know, Salt made the comment on Twitter about you know like chasing off your scholarship QBs. I didn't necessarily agree with that that comment um and, and i stand by the the fact that every quarter you know every kid's got to make 
do you know follow their heart and make the decision that they think is best for them in their career. That being exactly. said, wow, it still hurts us. Oh, absolutely, and and at at this point in the season where we're two games in, if Tristan Jebby was here, he'd currently have more playing time than Adrian Martinez. Football can be a cruel and fickle mistress. Yeah, you know, it's a. Uh, I think I said that last week. Ball and it's a it's a sport that just uh, doesn't really go according to plan. It's um, reminiscent of back in the eighties. Uh, they I had a VHS tape. Uh, all right, so kids, uh, back before everything was digital, there were uh, these discs, uh, CDs or not CDs, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. But before that, you had these little black, usually black cartridges. They had, like, a tape in them. Uh, ask your parents what tape is. Uh, but anyway, this particular VHS that I had was, like, a greatest sports bloopers and follies uh, of whatever 80s year it was. Um, and it was it was released by Sports Illustrated, I believe. But they in the football section, they were talking, you know, basically about how exactly what you said, that it's an odd-shaped ball and it never bounces the same way twice. And, uh, you know, then they show clips of all these – NFL players, you know, trying to chase down a, a football. It's it's comical. If I if I could find it and if I had a VCR, I'd probably play. I actually I think it's on uh, YouTube now that I mention it. I think it's on I have YouTube. to link that in the article. I will link it and uh, I you should it, you know, it's about 45 minutes or whatever. It's worth it. It's fun. Um but uh a little bit of levity here. Do you have from this uh, Troy game, do you have a singular moment where you just thought you know that that it was not going to be a Nebraska win. Like when when you're like, oh well, that the, they're not going to be able to recover from this particular moment or this particular play. Yeah, that a uh, bullshit pass interference call against Aaron Williams, where he is playing coverage perfectly, and in typical Big Ten officiating fashion, they totally bungle the call. It extends Troy's drive, and they go in there and put the fucking nail in the coffin. I mean, a lot of people could say that it was the, you know, last interception that that doomed Nebraska. I honestly think that it was even before that. I think that punt return for a touchdown uh, was. I don't know. I mean, the, the yeah, that punt that, return for a touchdown, the that was a that gutted us. You, know. you, you could say there might have been a block in the back there towards the end. I don't know. Multiple. But it, you, you think it's funny. I mean, it's a, it's a Big Ten officiating team, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on the refs here or anything like that, but it's a Big Ten crew. You'd think they'd I mean, maybe, have a little bit of a vested interest. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just don't. I don't know. Um, I've always disliked the crew that we had today, Jerry McGinn's crew. I their calls just absolutely drive me up a wall. You think inconsistent? Yeah, the, for sure. And and again, Nebraska did plenty of shooting themselves in the foot as well. Uh, so it's not like we can blame it all on on the uh, officiating. Um, you know, when you have a, a what was it a touchdown that was called back? If I remember correctly, yeah, touchdown was called back and a missed field goal. Yeah, just couldn't execute in the red zone. I mean. The and and I want to I I want 
I want to hear for just a couple minutes. Would you indulge me with pissed off Haas talking about the third and fourth uh, in shorts and the uh, inability to run particularly over the left side of the uh, of the line? Would you just yeah. indulge me? I, I, I know I, I, I hesitate to ask because I don't want to give you a heart attack. You're t- much too young, much too handsome, and much too, you have far too much to offer the world. Um, but please, would you, would you just relieve some stress in, in the way of a friendly rant? Sure. Um, in the game, you know, against Troy, we were trying to run a lot of gap scheme stuff earlier in the game, pulling guards. And when you pull guards, you open yourself up to a lot of penetration from the linebackers and DTs. And they penetrate in the backfield. That puller gets redirected, can't get around to make his block. The play's dead on the front side. I mean, it's just dead on arrival by the time the ball carrier gets to the point of attack. So against Troy, we switched to a zone blocking scheme. Uh, a lot of split zone where zone blocking schemes going one way and we have an H-back or a tight end uh, go back the other to seal off the backside DN for the cutback lane. And it's a, it's a sound adjustment um, when you're dealing with a blitz-heavy, stunt-heavy defense like Troy's. You want to that zone blocking scheme gives you a way to account for every gap. And uh, you're playing, you know, you're protecting gaps, not specific defenders. And so when we switched to that, we still had some issues on the left side of the line of guys not blocking their assignments. It's some pretty elementary stuff, you know. Get out of your stance, take that first step that aims you to the that gap you're responsible for, and they'll put you in position for that defender who's going to occupy that gap. Bring that second foot as your power step. Now you're, you know, once that second step hits the ground, you know, you're locked up. And by that third step, you're you're pushing downfield. And we struggled to do that. Uh, there's a great reverse angle on one of our third or fourth and shorts. I think it was the fourth and short where Gerald Foster didn't get the shade the nose guard who was shaded to the left to Cole Conrad, and that's uh, no, it wasn't a shade. It was it was a two eye on Foster's inside shoulder. He totally just knifes the gap, and Foster's blocking his backside shoulder, but it's too little, too late. He's in the gap already. He's he's totally canceled out the backside a gap being the cutback lane for the ball carrier. I can't remember if it was Ozigbo or Greg Bell, but. Regardless, the play's dead on arrival there, too, because our ball carriers have to dodge a, you know, nose guard at the mesh point. I mean, it's stuff like that that's got to get fixed. And, I mean, at some point, you know, you, you rep it, you go over it in practice, you work on the fundamentals. But at some point, if people just aren't grasping it, you got to start looking to retool offensive line personnel. You make some changes. You shuffle some people around. Because if we're not good, if if Martinez is hurt worse than what Scott Frost is letting on, and, I mean, his policy with the media is one more of toleration than appreciation, and he's pretty cagey when it comes to talking about injuries, like he attended the Bill Snyder School of... Uh, <laughs> Question I totally dodging. lost my train of thought. I was rolling. Uh the Bill Snyder school of divulging injury information. I mean, 
we're, we're going to have to fix that O-line because we're not going to be able to rely on, you know, that quarterback dart play where we pull the backside tackle around to lead Martinez up through the A-gap. We're not going to be able to rely on, you know, zone read and some of the, you know, predetermined keeps for Martinez if he's not out there. And so we've got to get stronger up front. And you're not going to get physically stronger over the course of this season because you're more lifting just to maintain, you know, than you are actually working to become more explosive. But you got to rep the piss out of fundamentals. And people have to execute their assignments. Period. Amen. I don't disagree. Um, I, obviously, uh, when it comes to X's and O's, you, you are my guy. Uh, so I, I don't have any uh, count any, any counter offer or anything like that. When I look at, I mean, it just seemed like some of the some of the play calling when when the running game wasn't going, you needed to look to the quick passes. But at you know until very late in the game, it seemed like Nebraska didn't want to do that. And you already talked about how the protection just wasn't there for for many you know uh, long developing plays. But it just seemed like there was a lot of uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, and it's not gonna it's not gonna come to me. But there seemed to be just a lot of waiting until the end to to get into that up. When I'll say this: when Nebraska started, you know, slinging the ball around, and they had the Troy defense there, uh, you know, kind of on its heels, uh, that in that drive that led to the second Spielman touchdown, everything was clicking, everything looked good and crisp. Uh, why they weren't doing that from the second quarter on, I don't know. It could have been a completely different outcome. Um, it, it just seemed like. Well, I think that's what Frost was ripping the refs about, that they were kind of obstructing our ability to get to the line of scrimmage and get set and snap the ball. You know, okay. they're kind of they're obstructing our ability to run tempo at the pace that we wanted to. Personally, for as many people who talk about how the rules of the game have changed, cough, cough, Nick Saban to favor uh, the up-tempo attacks, it's almost swung too far back in the other direction in terms of st- a ref standing over the football to allow for substitutions. If your defensive staff is not Johnny on the spot with getting substitutions in, sorry, you don't get to substitute. Right. You know, you shouldn't be relying on the rules of the game. Like, tempo did not ruin, you know, make football worse when it's, you know, the proliferation of it started. It made it better. And so defensive coaches just need to adjust to it. And, you know, that I'm pretty sure that's what he's ripping Jerry McGinn and his crew about. And, it just gets to the point where it's like, you know, that's your philosophy and they're standing in the way of, you know, letting you do it. And then, you know, I think they kind of adjusted their stance on tempo coming out of the half and we were able to, you know, get rolling. So we were snapping the ball with like 30 seconds left on the play clock at that sure. point. A few times Troy wasn't even set. And so that's a conversation that's going to have to be had with officiating crews in pregame or the week leading up to the game when you find out what crew you have and say, hey, we want to run at this pace. What are you going to do to, you know, accommodate us? And we understand that you have to accommodate the defense as well, but, you know, referee, you know, they're administering the game, but they need to be kind of a little bit more laissez-faire when it comes to tempo. But at the same time, as far as tempo goes, the up-tempo killed Nebraska led to the loss to Colorado last week because they could have ran the clock down so much more. And and they were still snapping it with twenty five, twenty seven seconds left on the play clock. So 
I... Yeah, that's the uh, that's the double-edged sword of running tempo. Exactly. It's such a holistic philosophy that's everything that your program's about that, you know, it's not easy to take the foot off the gas when all week, all year, you preach to your guys, hey, you know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to attack. We're going to use every bullet in the gun, you know. Double-edged sword. And I'm trying to think if there's any – I'm looking for any, any positives out of this game. The only thing that I, I – mentioned it on Facebook and Twitter is, you know, making a little joke. It's like, well, we're getting all the mistakes out in the early games and, you know, we're going to play some perfect football once we get to the Big Ten schedule, which, again, is this upcoming Saturday at the Big House. Which, you know, it would not shock me as bad as the past two weeks. You know, last week was what it was, you know. But as bad as this week was, it would not shock me in typical, I, a friend of mine, you know, tweeted this out. So, you know, tip of the hat to RK from uh, Husker Chalk Talk. I'm going to kind of commandeer what you said here. The, the schizophrenic nature of Husker football the past 20 years, I don't think it would shock anyone if we went into Ann Arbor and either hung with them or won in some ridiculously odd fashion. You know, it's just, it's, it's totally unexpected, and quite, quite frankly, it's probably not going to happen. But just that schizophrenic nature of Husker football since, you know, 1998, who the F knows? I, I want to throw this out there. This is another silver lining. Um, this one comes from hashtag Pat the Stat, uh, Pat Jansen from the Big Red Cobcast, who tweeted uh, about an hour and 15 minutes into the game uh, when Nebraska was down, probably 10 nothing, something like that. He says... Uh, against its first two FBS opponents in 2016, UCF lost by a combined 43 points. I'm not panicking yet. Hashtag long haul. Hashtag GBR. Uh, to which I responded because I knew that's that's definitely not a Tweety tweet. That's definitely a Pat tweet. Oh, so no. I, I said Pat. Tweety relies too much on visceral emotion. <laughs> Pat's the uh, brains of that operation. So I said I said Pat coming oh, in with a good tweet. So uh, um, something something. Uh, Scott Frost took an 0 and 12 team, and in year one made them six and seven, and in year two made them 13 and 0. Uh, I'll say this: Conference USA is not uh, the Big Ten, so I don't expect next year to be 12 and 0, 13 and 0. Um, but be I, better, yes, ste- steady improvement, and don't be. It's two games in. Don't be calling for his head already. Exactly. You know, today today sucked. But you know what? I I said this on, uh, I tweeted this out on Black Friday. You know, uh, I have the tweet because we were talking about this earlier. And uh, I'm just going to read it again because I lost sight of this a little bit today. I was was hot after this loss. I mean, I was not happy. November 24th, 2017 at 9 o'clock p.m. exactly. I've followed Nebraska football in an unhealthy way for 16 years since I was a 12-year-old who thought Jamal Lord was an absolute baller. Fact. Very underrated. I'm ready for Nebraska to build itself back, wipe the slate clean, reboot it, no more pretenses, just be patient and get it built. And that's... That sounds great in theory. Yeah. <laughs> just be patient, no pretenses, but when you're talking about fan, and it's short for fanatic... The execution of that in practice is much more difficult. 
but that's what we can't lose sight of right now. It's two games. I am going we to... We four games last year. Yeah. It's going to take some time. You know, Frost didn't become a worse coach over one offseason. He's still the same coach that he was at UCF that took an 0-12 team to 6-7, and then 13-0. and And a national championship. Uh, yeah. Quote-unquote. Right. And let's just... Let's let this thing get built. The more pretenses and the more dogma that we attach to this program, like we always have under new staffs, you know, every time they come in, we have a certain watermark or high watermark that they have to hit that we deem acceptable. The more we poison this program and turn it into the monster or the beast, what Barry Switzer called the beast. You got to keep feeding it and it always wants more. And we got to rebuild it. We got to strip it down, and we got to rebuild it. And you know, I didn't think that we would be, you know, over the off season seven and five is where I, you know that was my prediction. I'm, you know, it's a little uncertain if we hit that mark. It, it really is. But and it's gonna really really suck to go four and eight. But yeah, you do it on the on the promise that better days are ahead and that this program's going to turn around. It might not be year two going 13 or Probably not going to be. But year three, year four, as much as I was talking about, you know, win a national title January 2022, you know, and who knows? You Indianapolis, know, baby. Football. But, you know, and, let's get this built. And... To you know, it's been said by smarter people than me. If you chase away Scott Frost with your negative attitude and your you know high expectations, and then all the backlash when your expectations are not met, if you chase away Scott Frost, the golden boy, there you're not going to get anybody. You if yeah. if you if you chase away Scott Frost, then you're going to have to pay ten million dollars a year to get anybody to come here because. This is the and they're home, not going to be a very good coach. No, and this is the hometown kid. You know, he's come back. He's, as I said, the golden boy, the national champion, the last national champion for Nebraska. You can't run him out the door, especially after two games. This thing is going to take time. Rome was not built in a day, and this Husker football program will not be rebuilt in one year. So have some patience. Suck it up. Take the losses. Uh, give them the, the new rule is twenty four hours, so you have till about two fifteen, two thirty. Uh, well, I, actually, you're going to hear this after the fact, uh, but you know, give it till Sunday afternoon, so to speak. Give it twenty four hours after any loss to sulk, to be pissy, to complain. Uh, tweet at us at the number five heart podcast. Don't tweet at players. Uh, that that's that's a, a good rule to remember, and uh, let us know your thoughts on on things. It's not always going to be sunshine and butterflies and roses. Um, so they're going to be dark days, but uh, in all kinds of weather. I mean, we 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 stick together in all kinds of weather because that's what we do. That that's the right way to say that. Um, so, Haas, any any final thoughts as we as we. Uh, close this chapter, this Troy chapter of uh, the 2018 football season? 
it wasn't it was not our best day today. It was a pretty dark day for the program. But moving forward, regardless of what happens this season, again it's easier said than done. Look for the week to week improvement. You know. Focus on, you know, kind of the compounding effect of when you start seeing this team do the little things right. Um just be patient. Let it get built. You know, um, that, that's really what Nebraska football desperately needs, you know, to be stripped away of expectations. And I think for a younger fan like me, because I had just turned seven years old last time we won a national championship, and I was more concerned with playing with Legos and Star Wars and shit like that. It's easier for me to say that. Right. But moving forward, like, Let's let's pour a solid foundation. Let's have some let's have some footings that go pretty deep into the ground, rather than you know being a pretty you know paper you know paper tiger at nine and four under Pelini or a social media paper tiger you know under Riley and a recruiting paper tiger as well. Like let's let's focus on the improvement. Let's just let's just get better. You know, because that's it's going to happen eventually. Again, Frost did not become a worse coach over the offseason. We knew what we were getting into. We went 4-8 and eight last year, for crying out loud. And we're all guilty of drinking the Kool-Aid, but the Kool-Aid's empty, and let's just focus on getting better week to week. I couldn't have said it any better myself. That's why I rely on Haas to uh, uh, bring the wisdom. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Remember, later this week, we will be joined by someone from uh, Michigan's uh, SB Nation site. I'm sure they'll be uh, chomping at the bit to, to visit with us. But with, with uh, uh, any luck, we'll be able to be joined once again by John Dam Johnston because it, Haas, the, 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 John, the, the JDJ part is becoming the highlight of my week. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's fun. I can't, I can't wait to... Uh, uh, for for John to regale us with stories of of when his grandfather uh, helped you know uh, turn back the redcoats in the Revolutionary War, so it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Uh, but that'll be later. Oh. What, what's that, Oz? I was saying, oh yeah. I mean, if, if you figure John was in the Korean War, I'm sure his his grandpa was in the Civil War, and uh, his grand his... he's got lineage like Lieutenant Dan. That's right. <laughs> but they all lived. Uh, yeah, John, they all lived. John's living proof. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Make sure that you engage with us in, on social media by going to facebook.com slash five written out heart podcast. Or you can go on Twitter at the number five heart podcast. You can find the social media links conveniently on this uh, article, on this post on coronation.com and jitterymonkey.com. So you can uh, interact with us on social media. We would love to uh, talk with you about Husker football. And uh, Husker Volleyball, which, by the way, Saturday night swept the competition. And, and that third set was like 25-4, to four, so a uh, fantastic job. You can read all about it on coronation.com. And uh, uh, that'll be it. Check out everything else on Coronation and Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For myself, Greg Mahochko, my uh, friend and uh, co-host and uh, Husker fan, Hoss Reuter, we remind you this week and every week, at five heart is all the heart you need. Go big red. WTDW win the damn week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. 
for more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. 